This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me on Twitter for all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by Matt Siegel. You know him on the Twitter sphere as at Showtime Cappers. We've got a lot to get to today. Game 5 of the American League Championship Series will be played tonight in the Bronx. Uh, and, of course, it's a Friday, which means there's plenty of football to wager on as well. Matt, it's October still, and that means there's still plenty of sporting events going on. Always going to be joined to you. We got a lot, always going to be joined by you, I should say. We have a lot to get to today. Yeah, Greg. I mean, look, are we going to see the second ticket to the playoffs? I mean, to the World Series, excuse me, punch tonight. Uh, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. You know, we got big NFL games this weekend. Like we talked about earlier in the week, you know, really excited to see how teams like the Rams and the Cowboys bounce back. Obviously, you have a huge divisional matchup between the Cowboys and Eagles Sunday night. Another huge divisional matchup between the Texans and the Colts as well, you know, playing for first place there. And then have some other interesting matchups. I mean, you know, we got the Ravens and Seahawks, Saints and Bears. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend. I, I, I'm also even excited to get to that Monday night game. You'll see Patriots on the road against the Jets. You know, with Sam Darnold back, they, they they seem to have some new life. So a lot of interesting games this weekend. We got the college football slate as well. Tons of ranked games. I mean, I can't wait to see the Penn State Michigan game at night. You know, we we got we got Oregon and Washington out of the Pac-12. So it's going to be another good weekend, and and we're going to walk away uh, printing some money, Greg. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's start on the diamond, though, where as you mentioned it, we could see the second and final ticket to the World Series punched tonight in the Bronx. New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. The Astros take a commanding three games to one series lead on Thursday night. And now they look to wrap it up in New York with their ace, Justin Ver. Well, <laughs> I say that just so quickly. Garrett Cole, uh, obviously on the same team. I guess it's Relax. easy to forget how, I guess it's easy to forget how unfair it is that they have the two guys like that. But Justin Verlander goes to the mound, 
tonight. I'll, I'll rephrase and say future first ballot Hall of Famer Justin Verlander uh, against. Uh, you got that right. First ballot for sure. <laughs> against James Paxton for the New York Yankees in a rematch of the Game Two pitching matchup. Uh, Matt, I guess simply put, let's start here. Is this the end of the road for the Bronx Bombers? One word answer, Greg. Yes. Uh, this is the end of the road for the Bronx Bombers, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, we always thought the Astros and Yankees would, you know, be getting to this. Duke it out. This series, this series, we, we knew that they were going to be getting here. We knew no matter what happened all along the way, yes, the Rays pushing the five. Come on, the, the, the Yankees and Astros was inevitable. But if I told you that the Astros would, you know, win in this fashion, what would you have said? You know, maybe I'm a little less surprised than you because I just hey, excuse always... Me, excuse me, Greg. Not only win in this fashion, sweep the Yankees in the concrete jungle. Their own home. Sweep them out sure. of their own home. I mean, that, you know... And let me tell you, Justin Verlander is going to accomplish just that tonight. The Yankees had a chance, you know, in that game too to put a stranglehold on the series like the Nationals did and come home up 2-0. Instead, they gave the Astros life. And, they and you know, lost he, the game. I'll take it a step further. Even in Game 3, they had countless base runners in the first five innings against Garrett Cole and just could not take advantage of a lot of opportunities. They stranded nine runners on base. Against a pitcher like innings. that, you just can't do that. You can't. Right. And, and then, sure enough, because of how good Garrett Cole is, he settles in and he goes over 100 pitches in the sixth and seventh innings, and those are his easiest innings of the day. That was just the role that he was on. And before you can blink, the Yankees are down two games to one. And yeah, I agree with you. We're going to look back on this series because I do think it ends tonight behind Verlander. And we're going to look at game two and we're going to look at the early parts of game three and think about what could have been for the Yankees. It's just really, you know, it's just really a depressing way, you know, for the Yankees season to end. Like I, like I said, you know, especially after getting the game one win on the road, you know, that's all you ask for. All you ask for is to steal one on the road and come home tied 1-1. Not only did they come home tied 1-1, you know, but, but they, they, they looked, they were close in, in game two. They almost came home up 2-0 and to just, Come home and, and completely shit the bed and, and lose two straight games. I think this this Yankees team, you know, I'm not going to say they don't have the heart or the fight, but I'm going to take the other angle and say the Astros are smelling the blood in the water and they can feel one win away from the World Series and, and they're going to do just that tonight with, like you said, their ace or I guess co-ace on the right. mound in <laughs> Justin Verlander. I can't look any other way. This is a very similar game that I looked when we when I placed a max bet on the Nationals uh, to sweep the series. Now, obviously, we know this isn't a sweep. Now, the Yankees stole one. But, hey, after the first four games, this damn near feels like, like a sweep potential game. And like I said, the Astros smell blood. They're sharks. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna win. Total agreement with you on that. I think that the uh, Washington... Nationals victory in some ways I think plays into the handicap for tonight because remember Matt if they have to go back to Houston for a game six tomorrow well who knows obviously the Astros need to get to the World Series first so they cannot afford if it goes back to Houston they cannot afford to just kind of play it conservatively and you know 
keep some cards, you know, in their hand for the World Series. My point, point being, if the Astros have to really exhaust some weapons here, then, you know, and, and use all their bullets. And, and if we have to see a game six or a game seven where you have to use, you know, a Garrett Cole or maybe a Justin Verlander again out of the bullpen. Yeah. You know, Greg, it throws a wrench. It throws a wrench into their plans for the World Series, which the Nationals don't have to worry about because of all the time off they've had. So I think that factors into why I think Houston gets it done tonight. I think they're going to, you know, manage almost in a weird way as if this is a game seven, because the sooner that they can get it done, the quicker they can line things up themselves for the world series. Yeah. I mean, Greg, you know, I, I, I always respect everything, you know, the, the angles that you take and anyone else takes, but in my opinion, they're a professional baseball organization and they are focused on nothing but winning tonight. They do not care about saving this man and saving that guy. They don't care about the well, world. That's series kind of they don't get though. there. No, no, I agree, but in the end, what I'm kind of trying to say is that, you know, they go out and they try and win every game. So just the fact that winning this game would set the Astros up better is not necessarily a reason why I would play the Astros, but I understand what you're saying. The main reason why I'm playing the Astros is because I just watched the Astros win three straight games. I watched them steal momentum. I watched them win two straight games on the road in Yankee Stadium, and now they have their co-ace and Justin Verlander on the mound you know, against James Paxton, who doesn't scare me whatsoever. Verlander won this matchup uh, uh, five days ago. Give well, me the Astros to close he, up he the did series. It. Carlos Correa won it at the bottom of the 11th. Uh, yeah, yeah, he started the game. He started the game, and, and they won. You know, give me the Astros to close out the series here. I, and I can't look any other way. So there you have it. Matt and I in agreement. The Houston Astros win Game 5 of the American League Championship Series tonight and punch their ticket to the Fall Classic, where, if we are correct, they would welcome in the Washington Nationals for Game 1 of the World Series on Tuesday night. Both of us like the Astros to wrap it up. Let's shift gears and go to the college gridiron now, where it's Week 8 of the college football season. That's right, already uh, into Week 8, which means that uh, we're about approaching the final quarter of the college football regular season. Uh, some interesting nuggets to still sift through. And, uh, you know, one of those things is, is in the Big Ten, where you have a Wisconsin Badger team that looks every bit the part of a team that could make the college football playoff. And, of course, standing in their way are the mighty Ohio State Buckeyes, who they may have to play twice. They play next week in Columbus, and then they play in the Big Ten championship game, perhaps, with obviously Ohio State in the Big Ten East and Wisconsin in the Big Ten West. So something to monitor there, and we're going to start in the Big Ten on Friday night with those very Ohio State Buckeyes on the road just outside of Chicago against the Northwestern Wildcats. Ohio State is a 28-point favorite, total of 50 in this one, and Matt is going to lead us off with a play on the Ohio State University. Greg, you know, we're gifted this week, right? Because we know that I'm always betting Ohio State first half on Saturday. You know, now we just get to win a bet <laughs> one day. That, now we just get to win a bet literally one day earlier. Instead of having to wait to win our Ohio State first half on Saturday, we will now win our Ohio State first half on Friday. It's probably getting too repetitive for everyone to hear how good Ohio State is for me in the first half, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet. They've played six games this season. They've covered all six first halves. Northwestern is absolutely trash. They are one and four in the year. Ohio State is going to come into this game. They're the fourth ranked team in the country. They want to keep it that way. Not only keep it that way, keep moving up the ranks. They're going to keep 
building their resume for the college football playoffs. And again, this is another game where they will win and the game will be over within the first half. And with a line of 15 and a half, it's a, it's a gift. Like they're going to be up at least 17 or more. They're going to be up probably 21 or more. Like I, I like this wet line all the way up till 20 and a half because they're going to be up three touchdowns or more. I, I have not a worry in the world about this Ohio State first half. And again, as I said, we're, we are now six for six with Ohio State first halves and we're just riding the train. Yeah. I don't really have anything on this just because I wonder when, and, and I agree with you that like first half is, is a better angle to look at here with Ohio State. I just wonder when the market is going to catch up to Ohio State and when we're going to see, uh, you know, them not cover a number because it just feels too good to be true. Uh, but my gosh, they, they look like, would you agree that just from the eye test, they're the best team in the country? Cause I think so. Um, no, I can't, I, I can't agree with that, Greg. And that's really just due to who they've played. So, I mean, it, they look amazing, but at the end of the day, you know, okay, I say they look amazing. I mean, you say they look the best team in the country. Now, I, you know, I'll come back at you and I'll, I'll ask you, what's their best win? Who? Who's their best win? Who did well, they beat? And, that, and that, that's why I said eye test. Like, I'm just saying, like, what I'm seeing from them, they're just running through everyone like they should then if they're not playing anyone that you think is, is good enough. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, personally, I can't look any other way than Alabama to be the number one uh, team and, the you know, the best team well, in the country. But they're not playing any defense. But, you know, so is Ohio State, like, play defense? You oh, know, much I, more than Alabama, absolutely. Uh, I can't look anywhere other than Alabama to be the number, uh, to be the best team in the country currently right now. And, you know, personally, I'm also would probably put Oklahoma above Ohio State just because. Oh, I disagree with that. I, I, I've, I've, I've liked the way that they, but at the end of the day, like I said, Alabama, I can't look at anyone other than Alabama, right? And, you know, I understand your defense, but. When your quarterback throws for five touchdowns every single game and you put up 45 points every game, you know, what defense do you need to play, right? So, <laughs> well, now, that, that'll come now, back and bite yeah, No, I, I understand, you know, obviously they'll play better offense and they will have to put up better defense. I mean, they will have to play better defense, but at, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, as much as I love Justin Fields and, and, and Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma and Ohio State, I mean, Tua obviously looks uh, like what we thought he would look like coming this season. And I, I really can't, I'm sorry, I just really can't look many other ways other than, other than Alabama. If I would though, I mean, I'm going to go right to the number two team in the country, LSU. I mean, now LSU, that's a team with not one, but two quality wins, you know, beating Texas by a touchdown and then beating Florida by two touchdowns. So if I'm going to look at another team, I got to look at LSU. Now I can't fault Ohio State, obviously, for just being well, well, Ohio State. Like you say, who have they played? Cincinnati's into the top twenty-five now. That's a pretty good program. Who they shut out forty-two to nothing, and they blew the doors off of Michigan State and Nebraska, who are still going to be bowl teams. Like there's not like dog shit teams that they're playing. No, so, I mean, Greg, look, look. Obviously, you know I'm a big fan of Ohio State. I'm right there with you. Uh, it, it, it's neck and neck. Like, I mean, yeah, like they, they are a top, they are a clear top four team in the country. Top I'm one. I, I'm, I'm, I had to bet a futures ticket right now on who would win the national championship. Ohio State would be my pick. 
that's that's fair enough, and and I might even agree with you just for for the value that Ohio State brings to the table, and with the fact that Alabama could easily be on the outside looking in, you know, if they don't beat an Auburn or or, or someone else, right. you know, or an LSU. So I mean, yeah, I, I would not disagree with you there. At Oklahoma or Ohio State are still just like the start of the season, they are still my college football or national championship value picks. That's 100% agree there. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on and go to the SEC. And I'm going to give a, give out a pick on a team that maybe threw a wrench in the college football playoff spectrum a little bit. Uh, that was the big upset last week from South Carolina as a three-touchdown dog against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm going to look right back to those South Carolina, South Carolina Gamecocks, excuse me, in the early window and play the Gamecocks plus the five against Florida. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a South Carolina team that just got its season reinvigorated and just has new life already. And normally if this was, if, if the roles were reversed here and South Carolina, or I guess the games, the schedule was reversed and South Carolina pulled off this big upset at home last week, and then had to go on the road, I would be looking to fade South Carolina. But I think it actually has an opposite effect here, where now they're coming back home, and you have to think that the campus is just so fired up over a win at Georgia, the way they pulled it out, and they're playing a Florida team who, let's be honest, last week, that was huge for them against LSU on the road, and they hung right in that game. And yes, Florida is still very much alive to win the SEC East, and the big cocktail party is in two weeks against Georgia, and that will determine who wins the SEC East in all likelihood. So throw in a potential sandwich game here for Florida with LSU and then South Carolina right now. Then they have a bye week next week. Then they play Georgia. And then consider that, as I said, I think there's going to be max intensity from the South Carolina fans more than they see all year. I get more than they've seen all year so far, I should say. I get five points. Uh, give me the Gamecocks plus the five. Uh, 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 up to six in a lot of shops now as well. Greg, quick note on this game. I haven't touched this game yet. I, I, I'll be looking into it as I've been monitoring all week. It, it's just very, it's just a very interesting game to me because obviously South Carolina comes off of a huge road win that they probably realistically had no business winning. I mean, they, they kind of just hung on in that game. Granted, they played good defense, but Fromm made a lot of like, you know, uh, uncharacteristic mistakes. I don't even know if my sister would make some of the throws that he made personally. <laughs> and, and Florida's obviously coming off of a game where they hung around with LSU and then just kind of faded off towards the end. So two teams coming off of completely opposite games. We really see what Florida's made of here. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida came into this game and steamrolled them by two touchdowns. And I also wouldn't be surprised if somehow South Carolina carried that mojo into this game and pulled off a, a home underdog upset. So it's a really intriguing game for sure. Tough game to play. But I wish you nothing but the best. Let's keep the train rolling. You mentioned Oklahoma earlier, and I will say on Oklahoma, I just do think that they're playing better defense than they have in, in previous years. So I think more than the past couple of years, there's a very strong case to see them win the national championship. But you have a play on Oklahoma this week as the Sooners welcome in West Virginia. Yeah, Greg, I mean, come on, I'm going right back to the well with one of my favorite plays. I got Oklahoma minus 21, first half against West Virginia. You know, I don't think there's any reason they can't be up four scores. I, I really don't expect them to let West Virginia in the end zone or if you field goal at all. You know, that that was the only thing that prevented them from covering that, that Kansas first half line a, a couple weeks ago. They, they allowed Kansas a, a pretty poor uh, touchdown the way that they scored that. You know, then they got back on track. They obviously, you know, we got in at six and a half on Oklahoma first half last week. That hit as they uh, were up leading by half, leading at half by a touchdown over Texas. And I think Oklahoma 
uh, coming home after that big win at Texas, raised the ship here. I, I don't see a West Virginia team that struggles with at all. Oklahoma's defense has been great, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to be up four scores easily at half against West Virginia, and and end the game in the first half as well. Yeah, I'm not going to give you any pushback on that one at all. Oklahoma, as I said, has been playing much better defense, and you know this lines up to be a spot where they just run right through the West Virginia Mountaineers. Let's move on and go to another SEC game that I like, which also profiles as a nice little sandwich spot that I'll look to capitalize on, and that is the LSU Tigers traveling to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, LSU laying 17.5, total of 61.5 in this game. And Matt mentioned LSU as a team that, you know, and, and with good reason, has just as good of an argument as anybody else to be the best team in the country. They just won against Florida last week by two touchdowns. They get Auburn next week uh, in uh, Baton Rouge. Then they have a bye week. Then on November the 9th, there's the massive game in Tuscaloosa as LSU travels to Alabama. So I bring all this up to say, looks like a perfect spot to fade the Tigers, maybe a little unfocused. They're still college kids, and when they're laying over 17 on the road, I can only look one way. I don't really like Mississippi State that much at all. I actually have bet Mississippi State under 7.5 wins this year, and I'm feeling pretty good about that bet. Um, however, as I said, just a play against LSU here. I think Mississippi State hangs around, keeps it close, and... LSU probably at the, in the second half just going to be looking to stay healthy heading into that big stretch against Auburn and Alabama, which is going to determine their season. I'll gladly take the points with Mississippi State plus the seventeen and a half. Yeah, you know, like you said, no pushback from me uh, on that on that play. Personally, I'm not touching that game at least not yet. But as always, you know, I'll be rooting. I'll be in your corner and rooting for you. Nothing but the best of luck. Appreciate, I appreciate the well wishes for sure. Let's keep things moving and we're going to go deep in the heart of Texas where the SMU Mustangs are hosting the Temple Owls. SMU up to an eight point favorite. This is an intriguing game in the American Athletic Conference. Both of these teams kind of uh, making some strides this year. Could be a preview of the American Athletic Conference championship. Total of 59 and a half. Matt, you like the Mustangs here. Yeah, I mean, in, in, at Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, how can you not like the Mustangs? I, you know, get, but let me tell you, Greg, I think you know where I'm going with this. Obviously, I'm taking the Mustangs minus four and a half on the first half line. I'm not messing around with the full game line. You know, I think this is a slight, uh, people are going to be slightly overreacting to Temple's win last week at against Memphis. Now they have to travel, you know, to Texas. You can note it down. It's the furthest that Temple has traveled this year. Not that that's a huge thing, but it's just a little, a little nugget you got there. You know, they're traveling. There's a slight time change, obviously. SMU was home last week against Tulsa, so no travel there. I mean, two weeks ago, excuse me, so no travel because then they were on the bye week, so they've been home for a while getting ready for this game. They've known and been preparing for Temple. Meanwhile, Temple's been celebrating their win over Memphis at home. SMU plays really fast and really well. They're 6-0, and ranked number 19. And I really expect SMU to come out here all business as usual, cover the first half, be up by at least a touchdown at half, and have no problem, you know, scoring on this Temple defense that has actually been good. But give me SMU, minus 4.5 on the first half. 
Well, let's just say as a Temple grad, I, I can't say that I'll be wishing you a ton of luck on this one, but uh, I, I do think that uh, this is going to be a tricky game for Temple on the road. However, Owls have been pretty good as underdogs this year. We've seen them beat Maryland and Memphis outright. Uh, this is probably one that I'm going to sit on the sideline for. Uh, might look to play Temple full game, catching over a touchdown, but uh, we'll see what happens. This is obviously uh, no good. You know, th- just just make sure you note that down the Maryland and you know uh, Memphis game both took place in Philly. In uh, Philly, right? No, for sure. Yeah, and and Temple laid an egg actually in a game that I faded my alma mater in uh, in Buffalo. That was really where they uh, let their guard down as a 14 point favorite and, and lost outright. Interesting to see where they'd be uh, in the rankings because Temple's knocking on the door of the top 25. But uh, SMU, the play from Matt. In the first half, minus four and a half. I'm going to stay uh, with uh, a Texas school, although I am going to fade said Texas school. That is the Baylor Bears as a four-point road dog against Oklahoma State. The Pokes are going to be my play here, Mike Gundy's boys. But more than anything, I, I think this is an interesting play against Baylor. Their linebacker, Clay Johnston, this has been an injury that has been discussed this week amongst a lot of college football people as, as one that really uh, could be a fatal blow because this guy's their leading tackler and is just the anchor of a Baylor defense that's actually pretty good. You don't normally think defense when it comes to the Big 12, uh, but Matt Rule has really changed the culture quite a bit there in Waco, and a lot of that has to do with them playing some better defense in Baylor. So I think it's going to be a, a tricky spot for the other 10 guys on defense to play their best knowing that their anchor, uh, Clay Johnston, is not going to be there with a major knee injury. And then just a little spot, a little system play here. Oklahoma State unranked as a favorite. Normally, those teams are great bets when it's an unranked team favored over a ranked team. Oklahoma State, a pretty good team in their own right, too. So uh, it's hard to say that this isn't warranted at the same time. Uh, and, and again, I think the, the logic behind that trend makes a lot of sense because uh, the recreational kind of square better might run to the window and see, oh, I got that number in front and that team is catching points. That's an easy bet to make. And it normally doesn't go that way. Uh, we saw Oklahoma State give Texas a real good game in Austin earlier this year. And they're off of a bad game before their bye week. They lost by double digits against Texas Tech. Coming out of the bye, as I said, not the best Baylor spot. I'll lay the four with Oklahoma State. Nope. No no complaints for me, Greg. I, I lean OK State. I haven't played this game. Might touch it. Might not. Something I'll reevaluate on Saturday. But let me take you somewhere where this may or may not end up being a max play for me come Saturday. As of now, it's not. But we're going to Beaver Stadium, Greg. University Park, Penn State with the whiteout under the lights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, ABC primetime. Does it get better than that? You know, you don't have to answer, Greg, because I'll answer for you. It does not. (laughs) Uh, against the Michigan Wolverines, 16 versus 7 here. We've seen Michigan slightly turn it around. You can put quotation marks against that, considering they beat Rutgers and Illinois. Obviously, the nice home win against Iowa in the middle, but Rutgers and Illinois, you know, obviously aren't the the best competition. But let me tell you, Michigan is going to come back down to reality when they when they take the trip to Beaver Stadium. And you already know where I'm going with this, Greg. I played Penn State minus four for the first half. It's now go time for Penn State. They are building a resume 
for the college football playoffs. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, Matt, you mentioned – I just want to get in. It, it, it feels like in a weird way, like Penn State, normally a program that everybody's talking about, doesn't it feel like they're a little under the radar here? And maybe that's because of how good Ohio State and Wisconsin have been. But Penn State – I'll, no, I'll, t- I'll actually tell you exactly why they're a little under the radar. And it's really – all from that um, from from that pit game they played. In my sure. opinion, you know, they right. looked crappy against Pitt. And then they came into that game against Maryland and they blew the doors off Maryland when you know Maryland was sitting looking pretty. And, and then we we're like, okay, well, is Penn State this good or is Maryland just actually not good? You know. So then since that Maryland game, they, you know, then they come at home and they play Purdue. You know, and we know this is not your daddy's Maryland. Purdue team. There you know? no Rondell Moore for Purdue too. Seriously. I mean, he's an elite. Receiver. I, I mean, yeah, this Purdue team is pathetic. But then Penn State travels to Iowa and catches a W, 17-12, to 12, completely shutting down their offense and winning in arguably one of the toughest places to play in the country. Absolutely. Okay, hello, Penn State. Now you have my attention. Now you sure. have my attention. Now is where they continue to build the resume, and it starts with this win at home against Michigan. And, Greg, there's nothing that I see. You know, they're at Michigan State, then at Minnesota, then home against Indiana. That matchup against Ohio State, I expect both teams to be walking into that matchup undefeated, and Penn State's going to start the party. You know, their, 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 their college football playoff run with this game tonight on national television against Michigan, I say, excuse me, tomorrow night. And then, Greg, you're going to have the answer to your question, and then we're going to be talking about Penn State. Oh, full agreement. I, I actually like this on the full game. Uh, I would play this up to Penn State minus 10. I like I, this on the full game as well, just to put that out there. Yeah, and so we'll make it a consensus play. Penn State, as you said, that win against Iowa last week, I think, opened a lot of eyes. And, you know, if this game were at the big house, maybe I would feel differently after they go on the road at Iowa. Now they got to go on the road at Michigan. But as you mentioned, whiteout game Penn State, always one of the hardest spots for a visiting team. We saw Penn State win outright in this very game against Ohio State as a double-digit dog in primetime. And also, Matt, Remember last year, Penn State got its rear ends kicked by Michigan at the big house. This sets up as the perfect spot for Penn State to return the favor. National TV, whiteout game. That's the kind of spot I want to lay the lumber in. Uh, exactly. You just said you hit the nail on the head. Revenge spot right here. I don't see how Michigan is putting up points on this ruthless Penn State defense. Give me Penn State first half, full game, Nittany Lions roll. One final game for us to touch on in our college football slate, and I am going to go out west to the Pac-12, where I'll make a case for the Arizona State Sun Devils as a live underdog, catching 13.5 at Utah, total of 45 in this game. And what am I missing here? You have 5-1 and one Arizona State at 5-1 and one Utah, number 17 in the nation, Arizona State, at number 13, Utah, and Utah is a two-touchdown favorite? maybe this is too easy and maybe I'll look back and think, oh, I fell for the trap. But quite honestly, I don't know that I'm I'm confident enough in Utah in this spot because you look at what Utah's done this season and I know the Pac-12 is, you know, of the Power 5 leagues, it's clearly the one that we kind of don't think of much as as one that, you know, it's kind of lost some respect, to be brutally honest, in, in, in college football 
circles. And, you know, you look at Utah's wins, okay, they beat a mediocre Washington State team. They beat a bad Oregon State team. They lost at USC. You know, so these are their conference games. And now they welcome in Arizona State, who I say it's time we give Herm Edwards some respect. It's time we look at Arizona State and what's going on in this program and think that he's on to something and that what he's doing is sustainable. And I mentioned Washington State is one of the victories for Utah. Well, Arizona State beat them too. So I, I'm not really understanding this line, which probably makes it more of a stay away. I just can't pass up a two-touchdown dog here. We, we already saw that outright win for Arizona State at Michigan State. And look at where those two teams are now. Michigan State's out of the top 25. Arizona State is in the top 20. So I think that that win now, we look back on it, and, and, and I think that says more about Arizona State than it did Michigan State. I, I think Arizona State's got a little something going here. And, you know, maybe not this year, but with the momentum that they're picking up, if this continues, could be in Pac-12 championship conversations not too far down the line. I like Arizona State plus 13 and a half. Tell me why I'm wrong, or am I missing something? You know, Greg, I'm going to answer your question real quickly. And, I, I, you know, I don't want you to get upset, but if you think you're missing something, I think Probably you might are. be missing something. I think you might be missing <laughs> Fair something. Fair enough. I can't tell you what you're missing, but <laughs> I can tell you that, that when so- I think I'm missing something, I find out at the wrong time that I was missing that thing that I didn't know I was missing. But <laughs> again, enough. you know, I, I, I hope that doesn't happen here, and I hope Arizona State wins outright by 27 points, Greg. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's take a break and check in with our sponsors, and then we'll go to the NFL. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, expensive, and there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, which makes them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Full Slate listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial even without entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo or avoid it altogether by using excuses like, I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. 
The doctor will work with you for your best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. You can just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit to connect with a doctor today and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. And we welcome you back to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Joined, as always, by Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers is where you can get him on the Twitter sphere. And we're going to go to the National Football League now, where it's already week seven. We're approaching the halfway point of the NFL season, flying by. Matt, you're going to start us in Hotlanta with the L.A. Rams and the Atlanta Falcons. Where are you looking for your first investment of NFL Week 7. Well, Craig, I mean, did this game get a hell of a lot more exciting, huh, over the week? <laughs> For the wrong reasons, probably. The losers in big trouble. Uh, I mean... Atlanta but, already is in a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, that, you know, but obviously, I, you know, I'm referring to J- uh, Jalen Ramsey. Oh, uh, sure. Now yeah. suiting up for, for the L.A. Rams. And there's actually a little interesting note. You know, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, you know, is, is going to be playing this weekend... But, you know, he did yeah, – I thought it was interesting that he flew to L.A. and now will then be flying all the way back to Atlanta. Um, not that really it should affect him. But, you know, the Julio Jones task just got a hell of a lot harder this weekend. And the 1-5 and five Falcons are really struggling. But like you said, could the 3-3 three and three Rams be struggling even more? I, I mean, obviously just due to the expectations of the two teams coming into the season. Matt, like – Jalen Ramsey's not playing offense for them. Their offense is a mess right now. Yeah, I mean, is it their offense, though? Because two games ago on the road, they put up 29 against the Seahawks. Obviously, we saw what they did against the Niners. But then a week before that, they put up 40 at home. So, say what you want. I don't think even, you know, Bill Belichick could tell you what the problem is with the, with the Los Angeles Rams right now. Because every, all we see is talent on both sides of the ball. But it's really just... It's really just, I think it's just really execution because clearly we know they're talented. It just comes down to execution. And, but like you said, it starts with the man, Jared Goff, right? I mean, he's got to be oh. more of a leader. He, well, we and, all... and you're right, by the way. I, I misspoke. Like, a mess is probably taking it too far, but let's look at the San Fran game, as we mentioned. And then at Cleveland, their offense didn't look good at all. And, and you're right, Goff. Like, I, I don't know what it is with him, but he certainly doesn't look like he's worth the contract they gave him. With that being said, all the struggles, you know, we can laugh, but I'm going to be taking the over in this game. Over 53 and a half. And I think the offense does right the ship. I think this Jalen Ramsey trade really does something to the Rams. Not only does it obviously give them the best cornerback in the league and improve their defense, it just ignites them. It really just, you know, it, 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 it tells them that the front office, the coaching staff, the GM, everyone is behind them. Let's get this player and let's turn it the hell around because we know we can get back to Super Bowl and win it. That's what that trade said for me is we don't need these first-round picks. We are winning now and we can win now, although the three-game losing streak. Now, I mean, the Falcons are just absolutely pathetic. You know, Matt Ryan honestly should retire after this year because 
Ever <laughs> since the Super Bowl, he is just he's just downright ruining his career. Other well, than what the a fact that Grace, you know, and uh, not just Matt Ryan, but you have to think Dan Quinn's the first coach that gets a pink slip. The next coach, because we already saw Jay Gruden go. You know, I, I think I, I think there's a nice spot for Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan to take their marriage to the XFL because they need to get the <laughs> hell out of Hot Atlanta because Hot Atlanta because they are. It's trash, you know. Atlanta's 0-4 and straight up and against the spread in their last four games. But, you know, like we said, the Rams truly haven't been much better. But we've seen the Rams' ability to score. And what we've seen is Atlanta's defense not have, have the ability to, to, to not even stop a high school football team, Greg. Let me listen to these last games. They allowed 34 points to the Cardinals, 53 to the Texans, 24 yeah. to the to the Titans. The Titans are pathetic. They allowed 24 points. Yeah. You know, to Mariota, who was just benched. They allowed 27 to the Colts. 20 the I mean, they haven't held a team under 20 points in their last five games. They've they've went over three out of their last four games. I don't expect um, much defense to be played in this game because, you know, although our great Jalen Ramsey is, he, you know, he doesn't just come in all of a sudden fix the every single defensive problem. He can't play he can't cover every wide receiver out there. And obviously, we know the Falcons have a multitude of talents with Sanu, Hooper, obviously Julio Jones, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman. So they do have weapons, and they have been scoring. You know, they put up 33. They put up 32. They put up 24. They put up 24. So they have also been scoring. So I expect this. Uh, I expect – I wouldn't be surprised if both teams uh, touch, touch the 30 mark in this game. I'm going to keep things moving here. I, I, I can't really disagree with a lot of what you said. Atlanta's defense can't stop a nosebleed, and this Rams defense was bad enough where they felt like they had to trade for Jalen Ramsey in the first place. So, and, and there's still enough weapons for Atlanta to think that they can score here. And just to note that, by the way, Greg, before you move, that was uh, we got in early at the week over 53 and a half. You know, it's now up another point to 54 and a half. And that is certainly worth noting. Let's move on, and I'm, I'm going to go to MetLife Stadium. I'm going to bookend my uh, picks here at MetLife Stadium. We're going to start with the Cardinals and Giants and end with the Monday Night Football game, Pats and Jets. But let's go with the Giants as a three-point favorite at home. I will lay the field goal to back the Giants. Matt, the Giants are, for the first time, they got all their skill guys on the field. Golden Tate back from the suspension, obviously. Saquon Barkley is supposed to come back in this game. Evan Ingram is supposed to come back in this game. And they obviously have Daniel Jones at quarterback now who we all agree is an upgrade over Eli Manning. I think this is a great spot for you to get another win in the bag on your Giants over five and a half wins ticket. Uh, the Cardinals are in a little bit of a sell-high spot where you look at the last couple of weeks, outright victories against Atlanta, who we just talked about, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are going to be picking in the top five of the NFL draft, maybe right there with Arizona, although Arizona, as I said, maybe rejuvenated its season a little bit the last couple of weeks. I'm not buying it. Cross-country travel for the Falcons, or I'm, I'm sorry, wrong bird team. Cross-country travel for the Cardinals uh, with the Giants at home off some extended rest, having played on Thursday. And they hung around a little bit there against the Patriots. Like, I think they had a good game plan, and eventually the Patriots just became too much. And also, they gave them a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown, which is an easy way to shoot yourself in the foot against New England. I don't think that happens here. I think the Giants, as I said, showed some good fight. Last week, now they get more guys on the field, namely Saquon Barkley. I love the Giants minus the three, and I know you have a prop here, but any thoughts on my play on the side? Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, Greg, I will be rooting for the Giants to win as I'm holding an over five and a half ticket that I am honestly, you know, with Saquon Barkley coming back, uh, Golden Tate back, 
as we saw he had a great game last game. You know, Daniel Jones, obviously now the starter. I'm feeling pretty good about that ticket personally. Yeah, I would. And I, I think we're going to get to a third win here. I lean the Giants. I haven't played this game yet. Sometimes subconsciously I try, you know, to not always look to teams that I have futures because I don't want that to impact sure. how I look at the game. And, but and there's I no point other way out that uh, the, just important to take each game at face value. I mentioned I have under seven and a half wins for Mississippi State, uh, but in our college picks, but I'm still playing Mississippi State this week against LSU. So just you know, don't get tied up in your uh, you know, in, in your futures and, and, and when handicapping week to week, everything's different. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a great learning lesson. I mean, that's, that's just lessons that parents should be teaching their kids. <laughs> but like I said, you know, there's, there's no other way I would look other than the Giants in this game um, for the side. But let me tell you, Greg, I actually, uh, this is, you know, this is a, a surprise for, you know, everyone who's listening here. I haven't released this on Twitter yet. Obviously, all my other NFL picks are out on Twitter. Uh, you can get that at Showtime Cappers. And I just, you know, before I get into it, I want to thank everyone. You know, I, I uh, eclipsed the 10,000 followers mark. Um, a, a nice oh. little milestone there. <laughs> so so th- thank you, everyone, you know, for the support. And um, hopefully, you know, we keep printing. We're, 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 we're having a great week this weekend. I don't, I'm not slowing down, let me tell you, Greg, because I have a max bet um, winner. I'm not even going to call it a bet. It's just a max winner because this bet is going to win. It's just, it's more so just about how long into the game it takes to win. So the Cardinals defense, you know, they're allowing on average through six games, eight receptions, a hundred yards and 1.17 touchdowns to the opposing team's tight end. They've allowed six or more receptions in every game and 10 or more receptions in to the tight end position in four of those six games. They've allowed 75 yards or more in five out of six of those games. And they've allowed one touchdown or more in five out of six of those games. And as I keep saying, five out of six, five out of six, five out of six, you can just note down the one out of the six was when the pathetic Bengals, you know, played the Seahawks. And an interesting note there, I don't know if you remember, Tyler Eifert dropped the touchdown right in his hands. He must have ate popcorn before the game, Greg, because I really don't know how you dropped that touchdown. He actually used to be like a good NFL player. I don't know what happened because the ball was in his breadbasket and he dropped it. So that could have been another touchdown. My point is, the Giants, you know, should be, from the reports as of right now, obviously, you know, we've got to monitor come game time. Evan Ingram is getting back. Um, and I think yeah, he's right. an elite tight end, an elite tight end, a top five tight end in the NFL. Daniel Jones loves targeting him. They should be getting Saquon Barkley back. You know, a little run game opens up some play action, play action to the tight end. Middle I, of the field. I'm losing, I'm losing my words because I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Um, I don't have a line on his over yards or his over receptions, but I will be playing his over yards. I will be playing his over receptions, and I will be playing Evan Ingram to score a touchdown. Evan Ingram will ball. If you have the chance to trade for Evan Ingram in your fantasy football league before this week because you need a win, that is the player you trade for. He will score over 20 fantasy points. You can book it. Let's move forward and go to a key divisional matchup. Matt mentioned this in the open. It's the Houston Texans on the road, a one-point dog against the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis out of the bye in this one. Uh, a total of 47 in this game. Matt and I, we both like the same side. I will let you get us started on this one. Yeah, Greg, I, you know, this. this is a really – it's a really intriguing game to me 
because as I mentioned earlier about five minutes ago, you know, I have the Texans to win the division. So I'm laughing as I'm saying that I'm going to be adding the Colts because obviously I want to be rooting for the, uh, for the Texans. And, you know, this is a big game. And another really interesting note, both of these teams are coming off of road wins against the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've handed the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, back-to-back wins a couple, three and two weeks ago. Obviously, the difference is the Colts, you know, they're coming off a bye here. With the coaching staff the Colts have and what Frank Wright does with that team, I really expect them to come into this game very, 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 I'll say it two more times, very, very prepared for Deshaun Watson. I think they're going to have a very interesting game plan for Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins, we know how amazing he is, but let me tell you, he hasn't been that impressive this season. Now, that's not a knock on the Texans. He just, you know, he hasn't been putting up stats we've seen him accustomed to. I think we can agree there. And it's just, these teams are so similar in my mind. You know, they just, they, 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 they've been running the ball. They have good offensive lines. You know, obviously the, the edge at quarterback is to Deshaun Watson, but the Kobe, Jacoby Brissett is, is no, no scrub over here. He knows this offense. He knows how to operate it. Oh, one I of just, the better backups in the NFL. Like, when I'm, Luck retired, I think, if you were smart enough to know about Jacoby Rousset, you knew that he was going to keep the Colts in games, and they weren't just going to go away this season. Well, yeah, obviously, you know, I also have the Colts over six and a half wins, so this is a really interesting game for me. Um, and I could be dead wrong. And let me tell you though, whichever team does win this game, I think is really going to go in a different direction. Because especially oh, totally the Texans, agree. you know, especially if the Texans win this game, now that's three in a row. I understand they beat the Falcons, but they still hung fifty-three. So anytime you hang fifty or more in this league, I don't care who you're playing, that's damn impressive. And then at the Chiefs, and then at the Colts. So this is a real like like uh, you know hitch in the road game for these two teams, Absolutely. especially then Texans come at home against the Raiders, and I you know I can't count that as well. But Colts come at home and they play Denver. So you can argue they're both coming at home playing teams that they should win. So which one is going to come at home, you know, to play a quote unquote easier opponent in first place or who's going to come and play in second place. And obviously this division is so tight, you know, that losing this game might even, if the Jags or Titans are able to snag a win, if the Colts lose, you know, they can fall all the way, all the way down the sitting. So this is just a huge game. I'm going to go with the Colts at home in, in, in Lucas Oil. I think they get it done. It's, it's, it's a very tough game, though, Greg. Don't tell me that you know the Colts are going to win. I, I'll tell you I know Evan Ingram's props are going to win. I'll tell you other. <laughs> I won't tell you that the Colts will win, but I'll tell you I like the Colts. I like the Colts enough to play this as well. You know, one of the things that you really hit on in your handicap, which I want to piggyback off of, is Frank Reich. And we know the Eagles fans how good of an offensive mind this guy is and, you know, what he did as part of the game plan uh, with Doug Peterson and John Filippo to really get Nick Foles playing in Super Bowl form as a part of that run. And I, I see, you know, like this guy just puts his players in good positions to be successful. And you talked about being prepared. Let's go back before the Colts bye week. End of, Dece- end of September, excuse me. Week four, Indianapolis loses as a uh, touchdown favorite. They lose outright to Oakland, 31-24. Pretty surprising result. What do they do the next week? They go to Arrowhead Stadium, and they hold Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City 
to 13 points, and they win outright 19-13. If that doesn't tell you that this coach can get his team to rebound quickly and knows how to best prepare his team, I don't know what else does. So now we get them off a bye week, we get them at home in a huge division game, and we get them facing another big-time quarterback. I can only look to Indianapolis here considering that not only do I really like Reich, and I think he's a better coach than Bill O'Brien, we get the far better offensive line, and we get the better run game. So while Deshaun Watson may well end up the MVP. Oh, uh, I wouldn't say so much better run game. You know, I mean, Carlos Hyde has been putting oh, together some Carlos good games. Hyde and been towards the Chiefs last that's, week who can't stop a nosebleed okay, that's on fine. the ground. But Marlon Mack also towards the Chiefs. So you right. play so, well, I, I think Marlon Mack is a very talented back. No, yeah, so do I, but I, I wouldn't discredit the, the run game of Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, and Deshaun Watson. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I would necessarily say the Colts have a better running game with the oh, tree. Their the offensive have, line, clearly better. Uh, oh, well, that's, that is undisputable. I can't argue with you there. Well, right. And so when I consider that and, and uh, consider that, I, I, I like Indy's defense a little bit more here too. Uh, listen, I know that there's probably some more, well, not probably, there are more talented skill players on the outside. But as we're seeing with the Rams, that only matters if you can pass protect and you, your quarterback has time to get them the ball and your run game keeps the defense honest. I'm not sure any of those things are going to happen for Houston here. So full agreement here with the Indianapolis Colts minus the one. Let's move forward. And uh, one last game in the early window. Matt is on his own on the total in Landover, Maryland at FedEx Field. San Francisco against Washington. I'm seeing 41 uh, which way are you leaning on the total, and what number did you get? Uh, Greg, you know, I, 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 want, I want you to – I want you to – which way am I leaning on the total? You tell me. I want to see, I want to see if you think – if you know me well. Well, given how well San Francisco's played defensively, I would have to say you're leaning under. I love it, Greg. I am playing under 41-and-a-half. Let me tell you, the Niners have gone under four of their last five, uh, four or five games total this season, excuse me, and under in their last three. Now, the Redskins have been a little – little interesting, you know, a little bit of a seesaw here. In their six games, they went over in the first three, and and, and now since then, their last three, they went under. And, you know, uh, we're getting a lot of buzz. Are the Niners the best team in the NFL? And maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But I can tell you one thing that is not buzzed, and it's not a question. The Redskins are absolutely pathetic. As good <laughs> as the Nationals, as good as the Nationals are right now and were last series, that's how bad this uh, Washington Redskins team is. They're in trouble. I mean, they almost lost to the freaking Miami Dolphins when the Dolphins were literally trying to lose the game. I mean, probably so are the Skins, though. Who knows? Um, this Niners team anchored by star rookie defensive end Nick Bosa. Let me tell you, he is a flat-out stud. He is exciting to watch play. If you haven't Defense seen rookie him, of the year. Uh, yeah, by far. Uh, don't You can give him the trophy now. Put his name on it. Eh? Defensive or a defensive player of the year, maybe you go toss them in there. I mean, if the Niners keep this up and they end up with one of the best defenses, how can you how can you not uh, think that way? You know, the Niners though they're allowing the second least uh, the second least you know yards per game at 237, and you know the le- second least uh, points per game at 12.8. Uh, second to the Patriots in both of those statistics. The Redskins, like, their offense is just pathetic. They're averaging the fifth worst amount of yards, 287 yards per game, 15 points per game. That's third worst in the NFL. 
they, they haven't scored more than two touchdowns in their last four games, and they haven't scored more than 17 points in those four contests. So I don't expect anything different to go on in this game than what we think is going to go on. I mean, the Niners are coming off of holding the Rams to 165. This is on the road, by the way, in L.A. Obviously, not much of a home factor there, but still held the Rams to 165 yards and 0 for 9 on third down and 0 for 4 on fourth down. You're telling me? Who, I don't even I, you know. I don't even care who's starting. Is it even Case Keenum or Haskins? Case this Keenum, yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that all of a sudden Case Keenum's going to be a third down magician? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you to take a hike. They controlled the game. They had the ball for 40 minutes out of 60 minutes. I I see a very similar game. Honestly, you know, they're going to get out early to a nice. Two possession lead, and they're going to run the ball 35 times right down the Redskins' throat. They're going to kill the clock. This is a get in, get out game without any injuries. Um, you know, the under on the Redskins, under to, a team total under 15.5, looks juicy as well. Uh, give me the give me the Niners 24-13 final. Yeah, you know, I don't hate this bet. I ultimately passed the game. Uh, believe it or not, I was actually uh, earlier in the week. I was leaning towards the Washington side only because of the spot for the Niners where they had back-to-back big emotional victories, Monday night football against the Browns, kick the crap out of them. Then they go to the Rams and they win a divisional road game to really make a statement to the NFL and the NFC West. Now they're going to go across country and lay in double digits at most shops. It just felt like a little bit of a letdown spot. However, Then I saw, and this is why I passed the game, I saw some comments from Kyle Shanahan earlier in in the week. Of course, he was previously on the staff in Washington under his dad, Mike Shanahan. And they asked him what was the best part of work of being in Washington. And he said working with his dad. And he said, then the reporter asked, what was the worst part? And he goes, everything else. So that tells me that this is a coach that might have left Washington on bad terms and might be wanting to run it up on Dan Snyder's franchise, uh, which made me pass the side uh, and ultimately is why I passed the total as well because I don't know that Shanahan's taking his foot off the gas here. So, uh, you know, X's and O's, like everything you're saying lines up, just ultimately a pass for me. Let's move forward and go to the late afternoon slate where I have a side that I like in the Windy City. And, you know, this is a play against the same New Orleans Saints team that I've been losing on the last couple weeks, but I'm not shying away from it now. Uh, And it's a team in the Chicago Bears, and this was another thing we talked about, who I think we both like them under their win total, and I still feel pretty good about that after they lost to the Raiders a couple weeks ago. However, I get Chicago out of a bye with that defense, back-to-back road games for Teddy Bridgewater against some pretty serious defenses. He was managed to pull out 13-6 to last week against Jacksonville. I don't think he's going to be as fortunate here. I'm seeing Chicago as three-and-a-half-point chalk at most shops. Total of 38 in this game. Mitch Trubisky expected to come back for the Bears for what it's worth. I just think this is a an emblematic, typical Chicago Bears game, kind of like we saw them do against Minnesota at Soldier Field earlier this season, where they just wear you down, and it's a long day at the office for Teddy Bridgewater and for Alvin Kamara and all of the New Orleans offense, and they're not going to be as fortunate as they were last week to pull out a low-scoring victory. I like Chicago to win this game. Let's call it 17-6. to um, yeah, Greg, I don't hate it, but I hope the Bears lose because obviously <laughs> I want them to lose. So actually, I do hate it. So screw you. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Uh, let's move on. Uh, final game on Sunday before we both get to the Monday night game. Uh, Matt, you have a play on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville at home, two and a half point chalk against the LA Chargers, total of 40 and a half. Yeah, give me the tits of the under here, Greg. I I, I, I love it. I love Ryan Tannehill, play. baby. Fire him it, up. I, I love, you know, Nissan Stadium, Nashville, the Tennessee. See Titans and the LA Chargers. Does it get better than that, Greg? Like, I mean, come on, yo. This is a game that I know this, every this single does get considerably better than that. Both these teams. Uh, it's Greg, this is a game. I don't know about you. This is a game I play on my Sunday around. You know, I gotta be in front of the couch for a cl- yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching pregame of this. I need to see Ryan Tannehill warming up. Now, obviously, I, I, I'm fucking joking. I, you know, if I if I wasn't a betting man or a fantasy man, even if I even if I, you know. Actually, I'm gonna bet on this game. I probably still won't even fucking watch it because it's actually gonna be pathetic. Because these teams are fucking awful. They really, they're awful. I, uh, sorry, they're they're bad. Um, twelve and four last year. Twelve and four, Greg. And now, and now, you know, just just take off the one from their record, and that's what the Chargers are. They're two and four. I I don't think anyone saw this coming, right? Did you? Uh, not for the Chargers. No, I, I mean, I, I thought they might regress, not to this degree. Yeah. I think we'd agree there. Um, end of the day, though, this, these are two struggling teams, and I'm going with the one struggling team at home, the Titans. I think they are able to come home and regroup a little bit, you know, with a change at quarterback. That's kind of saying to me, like, we're not throwing in the white flag, white towel, this, or white flag, with a towel, whatever you want to call it, this season. And, you know, I mean, they're only two games out. Of, of, of first place, right, uh, behind the Texans. And obviously we know the Texans have a big matchup against the Colts. Now, I mean, it doesn't help that the Titans are already – Yo, un- yo, you cut. Um, what, what was the last thing I said? Um, I heard you came back, back in it. They're only two games out, so. Yeah, I mean, they're only two games out, obviously, so – in in an NFL locker room, let me tell you, until you're mathematically out, there's always hope. So they are 0 and 2 in the division, but they haven't played the Texans yet. So they're going to get two games against them. They're going to get another game against the Jags, another game against Colts. So a switch at quarterback here sometimes, you know, can ignite a team. I understand the Chargers look are going to probably be looking to get Melvin Gordon more involved in the game now, being that it's his third game back with a team, which is also why I like the under. Uh, I I think the with the change of quarterback Tannehill. They're going to really be using Derrick Henry a lot here. Make it easy. Get the game plan easy for Ryan Tannehill. And on the flip side, like I said, I think the Chargers are going to be feeding Melvin Gordon the ball a little more. So I like the under 41. And, I mean, they're both offenses are, are just pretty bad. I mean, the Titans are only averaging 16.3 points a game. That's fifth worst. Chargers not much better at 20 points a game for 12th worst. And the Chargers actually have the seventh worst turnover differential in the NFL, while the Titans have the eighth best. So I think there could be a couple – Costly turnover for the Chargers, particularly in the red zone where they struggle at only converting touchdowns at a 50% rate. Obviously, red zone turnovers help unders. You know, they're our best friends for the unders. Titans aren't much better converting red zone touchdowns at 53%. Now, flip that. You know, when you're kicking a field goal, obviously, if you don't convert a touchdown, you're going to go for the field goal. Both these teams don't have the field goal kickers they came into the season with. The Chargers are rolling out a kicker. It's his third career game, and he's only he's three for five in his first five career field goals. That's sixty percent rate. That's uh, that's gross. I don't want that on my team. 
You know, and the Titans rolling out, you know, a much more veteran kicker in Santos, but he hasn't been much better in five games. He's four for nine. And by much better, he's actually been worse. You know, 44% connection rate on his field goals through five games. So I really don't expect to see much points. I expect to see a snoozer here. And it's an interesting note here. Both of these teams, week one, they played their games and they went over the total. Since then, they've both played five games. Take a guess out of the combined 10 games, how many have went under, Greg? Eight. Ten. Ten out of ten games. Wow. So since week one, since week one, these, these two teams have, have not played a game that's went over. Uh, you know, I'm going to look for that trend to continue, and I'm taking the tits and the under. Let's wrap things up on Monday Night Football. Cue the music. Just kidding. Don't cue the music. The New York Jets, gang green, at home against the New England Patriots. Matt kind of mentioned it in the open where we have a Jets team that I think has a little bit of a new lease on life. One and four is one and four. That's not good. We know that. But I think compared to other one and four teams. Greg, you talking playoffs? I'm just saying. Compared to other one and four teams, I think the Jets are going to have a little bit more motivation than I'm just saying, if you're talking playoffs, you're not coming on Tuesday. That's for sure. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, Though I will say I am holding out a faint hope. Well, it's probably not going to cash. Over seven and a half wins. Their schedule gets pretty easy in the second half. So I think there's still a chance there. But nonetheless, um, you have a Jets team that just beat the Dallas Cowboys outright last week as a touchdown dog at home. And they got Sam Darnold back. And, And one of the reasons I liked the Jets last week, and I liked them again here, is there was some news clippings that came out of New York that Adam Gase had just given up on the playbook and with, with Luke Falk. Like, he was so bad where they were just running the most vanilla offense you could think of. So that's another reason why I'm willing to kind of, kind of ignore what the Jets were doing before their bye week. Now they have Sam Darnold back, and I think that things line up here for them to keep this game close. They get C.J. Mosley back on defense, and Josh Gordon might not play in this game for New England. So you think about the Jets defensively. The way you attack them is through the air. And I'm not really sure that the weapons are there for New England to put up a lot of points through the air. We've seen New England's identity shift a little bit towards uh, a more run-first team. And the Jets actually have a lot of talent in the front seven. And I mentioned Darnold back and Le'Veon Bell. I think that will open things up for him a little bit more now that they can have a competent, competent quarterback back there. So I think the Jets are very live here. And, and, and getting nine and a half, I'll gladly take those points. New England was very fortunate to cover uh, last week against the Giants, thanks to a couple of scores on defense and special teams. As long as the Jets control the uh, protect the football, I should say, they're going to cover this game, and I don't hate a lunch money play on the money line. They're going to be right in this thing. I love the Jets plus nine and a half. Yeah, um, Greg, I'm going to start right off with saying I really um... – I really, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I would rather just donate my lunch money than play the money line here because the Patriots are definitely going to move to 7-0. But I respect the balls to play a, a Jets money line against the Patriots. I really do. But I do have a the very similar outlook. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they, no, of course, no, no, no. Uh, and hey, I, I'm leaning, I, I'm leaning and I do like the nine and a half for the Jets because I agree with everything you said. And it was, you know, I think the Jets have some new life, you know, the Jets, do play defense. They do have, you know, Le'Veon Bell, obviously. And they have some talent. Robbie Anderson, Crowder, I, I, Herndon might play uh, right. off the hamstring. So that's going to be an interesting note because there's a lot of hype with uh, him at the tight end spot coming into it. 
Obviously, Demarius Thomas is you know, a little solid option. But ultimately, it's the New England Patriots. It's, it's the New York Jets. Um, I think Patriots win. Wouldn't be surprised if they won by a touchdown, though, and they cover 9.5. I'm taking a similar approach, and I'm, that's why I'm playing the under in this game. Um, it goes without saying, the Patriots have the best defense in the NFL. I don't care if you want to say they played shit teams or not. They've played the six teams that they've had to play on their schedule, and they've been phenomenal on defense all six games. They are only allowing like eight points a game, I, I believe, is something like that. Yeah, eight points a game, 235 yards per game. Those both rank first best. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, Greg, I, I mean, it, it's actually really unfair. I really feel bad for, for any team that has to face Bill Belichick off an 11-day break. Yes, because they played on Thursday Night Football, and the now they're playing on Monday. Me. Say it again? I said it's the only thing that concerns me yeah, as a get back uh, yeah, here. Yeah, I mean— yeah, that's like that's like giving a robot, you know, a year to figure out how, how to how to add two plus two. I mean, B- Bill Belichick is the best. <laughs> well, ever. I, I haven't heard that analogy before. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Bad. I just made it up. It sounds stupid. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, Bill Belichick is the best at what he does. He's got eleven days to prepare for Sam Darnold and, and the New York Jets. You know, this isn't uh, Sam Darnold. He's good. He looked good last week, but this is still the New York Jets, and, and I'm not gonna overreact to their win against the Cowboys because maybe that just showed us more about the Cowboys than more about the Jets, you know? Obviously, we'll find out about the Cowboys when they play the Eagles this week. But I, I think that was... Probably without Amari Cooper. And, and probably without Amari Cooper, yes. And, but I think that was a team-rallied win behind their franchise quarterback who came back. And, you know, I think the party slows down here. I think we get a nice little methodical game. And an interesting note, I mean, last game when these two teams played a few weeks back, you remember how that game went over, obviously, a total of 43, 43 and a half, maybe 44, depending where you got at, obviously finished 30 to 14. So most people hit the over and lost the under there, you know, and the Jets only got two touchdowns due to um, a special team touchdown and then a pick six when Tom Brady was benched and sent him through a pick six. He came in. So there's that. That game probably would have went under if it went scripted to how it is. I don't see... Tom Brady coming out in this game because I don't see it being a blowout like that. So I don't see any late pick six going on. And the Patriots are 4-2 and two to the under this year. And the Jets are 3-2 and two to the under this year. Like I said, one of them being when they played. And another one came again when the Jets played the Cowboys last week, obviously. And Dak Prescott scored a touchdown with 47 seconds left. So it's safe to say that the Jets games have been pretty low scoring. Obviously a little different with Darnold. But they do, however, play defense. And... Truthfully, you know, the Patriots have been winning, but we, ha- you know, Tom Brady isn't putting up ridiculous numbers. They are playing. Oh, no, yeah, they, and as I mentioned, no Josh Gordon, likely. It's kind of, you know, you can relate it like, 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 like how, you know, how Wisconsin, you know, plays their basketball. You know, this is like white person basketball. Oh, and football they play. for that matter. They yeah, don't yeah and much. football. The, the Patriots, you know, Tom Brady, you say what you want about his checkdowns, but you find me another quarterback that has – Turn checkdowns into six Super Bowl rings, multiple MVPs, and a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, and, and prove me wrong. So say that he keeps checking out all he wants. Maybe other quarterbacks should just watch Tom Brady and learn to check down more than they do instead of throwing down the field. <clears throat> excuse me. And throwing an interception. <laughs> so, excuse me. Dying over here. Getting too excited hey, about hey, Tom Brady. That's all right. Get it all- <laughs> um, anyway. You know, they just they just play flawless football. They run the ball. They convert third downs. When it's third and two, they get the necessary yards. Like, they just do what they have to do to win the game. They are 
They are just the gold standard of business in the NFL. Like, they know they're going to win. They're coming to win. And they're going to win and leave with a win. Like, it's just... And they're going to do it here, you know? And again, like I said, they get in, they get out. Kind of like the Niners, like I said. No injuries. Get up a couple of scores. And they keep the clock moving. And this one should go under... Something maybe like 24-17, Patriots win by touchdown, Jets cover. There you have it. Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers. You can get him on Twitter. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg. We're back on Tuesday. It'll be a really fun Tuesday edition of Full Slate. The Fall Classic is here on Tuesday, and we will preview it all. NBA season also gets started on Tuesday. Matt, I like weekends too, but I'm really excited for Tuesday as well. Greg, I, you know, the weekend's going to be great. Tuesday, going to be even better. There you have it. Hope you all tail our plays, fade, follow, whatever you like. Please play responsibly. Greg Frank and Matt Siegel signing off on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.